Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of this new day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and to worship and to put you in your rightful place in our lives. That is, Lord of all, Creator and Redeemer, the one who made a way for our souls to be saved, to spend eternity with you. God, things that we so often just take for granted or maybe don't completely understand. And so as we continue this series that we're in, God, I just pray that you would speak to us this morning, that you would open our ears, our hearts, our minds, whatever it is that might be, we might be using to block you, to stop you from just completely taking over all of us, from us allowing you to be who you are so that we can be who you created us to be. God, we just give you thanks and give this time to you and pray it's to your greatest glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be, may be seated. <clears throat> Cindy, where are you? Thank you. I think it's so cool we got a kids ministry director who spends so much of her time immersed in God's Word that not only is she a teacher of our little ones, but she is a teacher of our big ones. Cindy, thank you so much for stepping in last week. You were awesome. So we got to get away for a few days, and uh, <clears throat> now that's always fun, but there's this, this risk because that gives me two weeks to think about today's message. Sometimes that's a problem because I was, I was actually really excited about this one, and then I got really nervous about this one, and my dad always says that a preacher has to have notes. He said, I don't trust a preacher that doesn't have notes because they don't usually know when to end. So this one kind of got changed midstream. The, I could preach on this for hours, and I know that I can't do that. And so, Dad, I have notes. I have a complete text we're going to work from today. So it will end, or I could, I could preach for an awful long time. Today we're in Chapter 5 of Dutch Sheets' book called The Pioneer Spirit. Chapter 5 highlights one of the characteristics that spiritual pioneers have. And there's been some interesting conversation about pioneers and settlers. Please hear me clearly. One is not better than the other. I am not doing this series because I believe pioneers are more important than settlers. That's not true. What I would say is there is a distinction and a difference between the two. And if we can understand which one we are, because God wires some of us to be pioneers, innovators and creators, and God wires some of us to be settlers that, that slow down and go through life side by side with people a day at a time. One's not better than the other. They're both incredibly important. But today we're going to talk about one of the characteristics of a spiritual pioneer, the characteristic that... They realize that they have this passion burning in them. You may have this passion burning in you that there is no price that is too high to pay. There is no cost that could be expected of you that would stop you from preaching the good news of the gospel to anybody that will listen. And by preach, I just mean share. Just share with them the good news of Jesus. You might not think of yourself as a spiritual pioneer. But, you know, God has really wired all of us as Christians. It's kind of part of the deal when we become a Christian. Part of the deal is that there's a little bit of, of spiritual pioneer DNA that goes into all of us. Jesus actually calls us to be pioneers, all of us. So I'm going to go to Matthew 28. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. This is what we've come to know as the Great Commission. It is the marching orders for the Christian church from the day that Jesus spoke it until it's completed. And it hasn't been completed yet. And so there's no mission that any church should have that goes outside of this. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Two interesting things. Jesus says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. The devil is running around our world today trying to convince people that he's in charge. And unfortunately, people are giving in and working for him. And that's the craziness. It's the chaos that we see in our world. But Jesus reminds us he's got all authority. And then he says, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Folks, those are pioneer words. That's pioneer stuff. They're pioneers go. You look at Quinn. Quinn is dressed and he's kind of ready for whatever he might encounter. Whatever it is that he might face, he's at least getting started to be ready to deal with it. Pioneers go. Pioneers don't necessarily even understand what they're heading into. They just know that they have to go. There's, there's something on the other side that they need to get to. The Great Commission is about going. The promise that's in the Great Commission is that Jesus will always be with us. Doesn't say it's going to be easy. Doesn't say people are going to love you for it. Because a lot of times the people who we need to tell the good news of Jesus to don't want to hear it. They need it, but they don't want it. Our job is to go to proclaim His name, to teach people to be disciples, to baptize them, to live as believers, to to obey the commands. That's what it is to be a Christian. That is a pioneer spirit at work. Jesus knew that we couldn't change the world, though, just sitting around doing the same thing we always do. If we're not willing to be different, we're not ever going to see anything different get done. And there's this thing in America, and I think probably around most of the world, but not all the world, because I see places where Jesus is so alive, people can't wait to get out and tell more people about Him. But we've got this complacency. And the complacency really says, you know what, there's people who are better suited to that, they can go. There's people who have more money, they can give. There's people who are better with children, they can serve. There's people who know more, they can handle it. Jesus doesn't qualify any of that. He tells all of us to go and to make disciples. It isn't about just simply being different. The world is full of different. You've got different all around you. If you're a young person in school, you are absolutely overwhelmed with different. Options of every kind, questions you should be asking, things you should be thinking about. That's not the the kind of different that we're talking about. What Jesus talks about is that we're supposed to be different like Him. The world tells us we can be different however we want. Whatever you want, whoever you want to be, whatever you want to do, you name it, that's who you are. Jesus calls us to make disciples, to be like Him. So maybe the first thing we've got to talk about is, and this isn't a pioneer or a settler issue, this is a Christian who lives in faith or a Christian who says they believe? Are you willing to be a Christ follower who is like Jesus? Or are you content being someone who calls yourself a Christian and then just accepts the comforting stuff of the Bible? Because an awful lot of our churches have gotten awful big dealing with the comforting stuff of the Bible that makes us feel good, not the challenging stuff that causes us to be like Jesus. See, as Christians, we're called to be difference makers. 
Where you are in your life right now, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, the people who God has placed in your world, whether it's at work, fun, family, whatever it is, you're there for a reason. You are called to be a difference maker. But if you're going to make a difference, you've got to do something different. And this idea of comfort that we've kind of passed on in the American church, it just doesn't work with being a pioneer-spirited Christian. But the, really, the, the next thing you have to do is you have to accept the fact that the place that you're in in life, God has you there for a purpose. You're there to be a pioneer for Him. He will use your situation and your circumstance for His glory if you will let Him. It, it doesn't matter how bad things might look for you. It doesn't matter if it's bad choices that got you to where you are. No matter how trapped you feel, no matter how much you feel like there's just no hope in the world, your freedom is not in escaping your situation. Your freedom, your true freedom, is not having different surroundings. Your freedom isn't more money or a different place or a different person. That's not your freedom. That's an escape. Your true freedom is in Christ. See, Jesus sacrificed His life that we could have true freedom. Jesus paid it all. In his book, Dutch talks a lot about America. He, he compares what's going on uh, as a pioneer to what's happening in America and what's happened. And one of the things that I got back as feedback was, you know, that's a little patriotic for me. I'd rather we stayed more biblical. And, and I agree. It, it, it ends up almost like I got the feeling over the last week, it was like I was angry. I didn't want to be angry. But I realized when, when we create a line that says the Christian politics is the only way to go, well, that's a problem. That, that's a patriotism that gets us in trouble because we can't really separate out Jesus from our politics. So talk about doing something different. Let's think about doing something different. Whatever you believe politically, wherever you are in your situation, whatever you think is going to make your world better, in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your way. If you want to be my follower, you must give up your way. Take up your cross and follow me. What he's saying is you need to give up the way that you're trying to live, the values that you're trying to have that are apart from me, the things that you think are more important. You need to give up your way and take up your cross and follow me. We need to focus on him in everything in our life. And that means the same thing for each of us, but it's different for all of us. Because we're not all dealing with the same thing. Your way is different than my way. But Jesus says we need to give them up. Whatever road we're taking, Dutch calls it the old road, the pioneer road, the road that Jesus paved for us, beginning with His death for our sins. That sacrificial death of a man who did nothing wrong his entire life. So what is your way that you have to give up? What are you doing that you need to stop? What are you thinking that you need to think differently about? What are you not doing that you need to start doing? If you stop and think about your way, some of the things that make you the most frustrated and the most unhappy is when you're insisting on doing your way, asking God to bless it, rather than doing God's way, knowing the blessing waits for us. Some of us need to stop doing things and some of us need to start doing things. And in America, that message goes against everything that we hear. In America, it says, do what you want. Be who you want to be. Do what feels good to you. If that's who you want to be, you be that person. If you want to change this, that, or the other about yourself, go ahead and do it. Everybody will respect you. 
That's not what the gospel says. See, salvation, salvation is about a very different thing. When we talk about that message of self-important identity that we can be whatever we want, honest to goodness, that is last days straight to hell talk. It's not Bible talk. Jesus says, teaching them to obey all of the commands that He has given us. Salvation in Jesus is all about Him. And when we understand that, we realize that is life and freedom. What traps us is when we have the idea that we deserve or that we want or that we should have. I don't have to tell you this, but the devil is on a full-out attack on God and God's people right now. The devil is on full display. He's not hiding it. Watch the Super Bowl. Watch media. Ever watch an artist perform a song today? There's an awful lot of them that the devil is just using as a billboard. No, it's not conspiracy, folks. It's fact. The devil's on a full-out attack on God and God's people. That means he's going to attack you. It means he's going to attack your spouse. He's going to attack your marriage. He's going to attack your children, the people that you love. Because what the devil wants to do is he knows that he can't claim someone forever unless he distances and separates them from God. So that's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's causing this great divide in America. And he's making people who love Jesus look foolish. Are you willing to look foolish for Jesus? Because Satan is coming to get all of us. And too many Christians are trying to do life on our own, thinking, you know what, i got a pretty good grasp on it. I think I can do this by myself. I don't really need any help. It doesn't work that way. What's going to end up happening is you're going to separate yourself first from your church. Then you're going to separate yourself from your Christian friends. And you're going to just completely separate yourself from the faith. Because that's the way that Satan works. He's a liar and a divider. So as a church, we're trying to do something really significant about that. For a long time now, for a number of years, we've had this thing called life groups. Got six of them right now. We've got people at the table in the back that would love to talk to you about them. Life groups recognize and realize that we cannot do life alone as Christians. That we are meant to do life together in community. Life groups meet every other week, and the whole idea is they give you other Christian people that are on the journey with you trying to do life and to do it right by Jesus, but do it together. They're there to encourage you. They're to love on you. They're there to keep you focused on Jesus. Is it scary? Maybe the first time you go, but you'll find out that it's awesome. There's a table in the back. I'm going to Use the phrase from Nike's old advertising campaign. And even if you think this isn't for you, go back and talk to them. Just do it. Because if you are honest with yourself, you're having a little bit of a struggle living the life you want to live on your own. Satan is making sure that you're struggling. See, the enemy of God, he's running freely. We've invited him into every part of our life in America. As much as we've kicked God out, we've invited the devil in. I maybe don't mean you and I specifically or personally, but you know what? We've all got a part of it. And the devil is running freely, just wide open, full tilt, through the fields of democracy in our nation, through our schools, through our public institutions, through nonprofits that are supposed to help people. All of those are just playgrounds for the devil right now. See, he's using politics and politicians to help us believe that whatever we want is right, no matter where it stands. And then he uses that belief that whatever we want, I deserve, 
and it's beginning to destroy us. He's running rampant. And if we aren't aware and acknowledge that, it's going to continue to go a direction that none of us want to see. Ronald Reagan said this, whether you're a fan of his or not, Ronald Reagan said this, it is freedom itself that still hangs in the balance and freedom is never more than one generation from extinction. You've heard me say that this book, the Bible, is one generation from being forgotten and irrelevant. There are young people growing up in America today who actually believe that this is a lie, that it's completely irrelevant, that there's no truth to it, there's no reason for it. It shouldn't even be able to be printed anymore. They're angry that we would believe and have a gathering like this. That generation that Ronald Reagan warned us about, we are in that generation. We see that generation in America today. Remember, our, our true freedom does not rest in the hands of a president. It doesn't rest in a Congress or a House or any other politician. Our freedom rests in salvation in Jesus alone, period. And if we understand that, that changes everything. Suddenly we don't have to fear the enemy of God. We don't have to fear the devil. We can stand up against them. And say, you know what? I'm one of Jesus. I'm a mess. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And i got all kinds of stuff that God is working on. But you have no power over me because I'm one of Jesus. That's freedom, folks. As pioneers, we've got to do something more than that, though. We've got to stand in the gap for people who don't believe. For people who do believe that book is a lie. For people who don't think it matters anymore. That it's old and out of touch. And yet we don't seem to do it. If we did, churches everywhere couldn't contain the crowds of people. You know, one of the things that I was most broken heart about at Christmas this year, it should be something that's exciting, but it absolutely breaks my heart. You know, we had 50 or 60 people that left our first Christmas service on Sunday morning because we had no room. And the title was... Is there, room for you, is there room for Jesus in your heart? Do you have room for Him? Because in the Bible passage, it says there was no room for Him in the inn. We gather on Christmas Day and 60 people left because we didn't have room for Him. There's something good that's happening. But you know, if we really believed all this, every church in the country would be filled to the rafters with people looking for the good news of Jesus. And it's not happening. Why? I think that so many Christians... And I'm sorry, but so many pastors and churches, we find ourselves apathetic and ignorant. We're apathetic because we take the stuff that we like and, okay, I'm forgiven. I can go do whatever I want. And then we're ignorant because we don't know what the Bible really says. But you know what? It isn't that we're without passion. Man, if you watch people that you live next to, maybe your family in your own house, your neighbors, we get passionate, let me tell you. We get passionate about our sports, am I right? Even the losing teams we get passionate about. We get passionate about hunting and fishing. We might get passionate about going to a concert. What amazes me is people go to a concert. People go to sporting events. And they'll do all kinds of stuff that they would never do in church. Because in church we've got to be, you know, like this. Right? Why is that? Why do we have that misplaced passion? I think it's because we accept being apathetic and ignorant. You know, we've got this, this Minnesota nice thing. We don't, we don't want to rock the boat, much less tip it. You know what? Jesus turned the boat upside down. And if we're going to do something, uh, make something different happen, we've got to be people who do something different. And our enthusiasm, our passion is what is going to drive that. 
Minnesota nice says we don't want to rock the boat. We'd rather just lay back and take a nap in it. That doesn't get much done. That doesn't move the gospel forward very well. The second thing I think is the reason. So many Christians don't know what we really believe because we don't know what the Bible really says. We've never taken time to read it. I saw once uh, two weeks ago that the average American who either believes or is seeking out a relationship with Jesus gets the majority of their theological, their, their God knowledge from social media. Do you realize how terrifying that is? You don't have to be a Christian to put out Christian information. I started paying attention. I started digging through it. There's an awful lot of lies that are being presented as truth. And if you don't know better, you're going to believe them. I think the problem is that Christians just simply don't know what we believe. That's why we teach God's Word. That's why it is so important here. Here's the other one. I grew up here just like a lot of you did. In Jesus and the Great Commission, I think he was addressing people from West Central Minnesota. Because he said, go, therefore, and make disciples. That's kind of pushy, isn't it? We don't do that kind of stuff. Actually, here's what we say. My faith is very private. I believe in Jesus, but my faith is very private. I just don't talk about it. You give me one biblical example of how that would fly with Jesus. You may say that to your friends. You can even say that to me. But you can't get away with saying that to Jesus. Our faith is meant to be deeply personal, but it is not meant to be private. It is meant to be public, on display. Our faith is meant to be personal and public. Jesus called us and placed us where we are to share our faith. To share is to know in a world full of competing spiritualities that God's Word is truth. To share is to know that whatever it is that you hear, no matter how much someone might insist that something is true, to share God's truth is to hold to God's truth. Not to mix it up in a blender with all kinds of other stuff. I, I went back and forth about whether I should share this phrase. I took it out of my first draft and then I put it back in this one. So here you go. Are you ready? Here's what I think is a big problem in America in Christian churches. Too many Christians... Think that we can dance with the devil and still be the bride of Christ. Got that? We think that we can dance with the devil because we can stay a step ahead of it. And don't write that off as someone who has an addiction. They're the ones. They got the problem. No, they're just ones that are more honest about it. We think that we can dance with the devil. Whatever our private thing is, whatever our sin, that well, you know, it's okay. I'll get away with it. It's not that big a deal. It's not going to get in the way of anything. We think that we can dance with the devil and still be the bride of Christ, and I'm sorry, but that's not the case. Jesus paid it all so that we can share it all about him with everybody we meet. Go, therefore. Do you know and trust Jesus enough to do that? My guess is that if you call yourself a Christian, you trust him with your dying. You trust him with your being dead. Do you trust him with your living? Do you trust him with your giving? Do you trust him with your sharing and your doing? Do you trust Him with your telling? simple fact is that if we're going to be honest, there's an awful lot of us that are afraid to talk about Jesus. The reason is that we perceive the cost is too high. The guys at work would make fun of me. Yeah, I work with a bunch of tough guys. They don't want to hear about Jesus. You know what? Those tough guys know that they're dying just like you and I knew that we were dying before someone told us. 
We're afraid. We're afraid of the cost. But what if that is the change or the difference that God is calling you to? What if that is the challenge that God has put in front of you? Stop worrying about what might happen or what you might lose and start thinking about what someone else has to gain. Maybe, says, maybe someone says something about you that isn't very kind, but maybe what you shared with someone leads to an eternity in heaven with them and avoids an eternity in hell. That would be worth it, isn't it? See, a pioneer realizes no price is too high to pay. That's really the decision before all of us as individuals, as churches, and collectively as a nation. Who will we be if we choose to be pioneers? If we choose to give Jesus our everything and our all and not hold anything back for ourselves. If we risk ridicule and respect of the people around us and giving our lives to the great cause of the gospel and helping to assure the eternity of the people around us by introducing them to salvation in Jesus? Or who will we be if we just choose to do nothing? If we choose to be lukewarm, not hot, not cold, we don't rock the boat, we don't make a boat, we, don't, we just kind of avoid the boat. Lukewarm, quasi-Christian, serving a God, we're not convinced, convinced really exists or even has that much power. Dutch Sheet says the American dream is dying because we've allowed God's dream for America to die. It's not a patriotic statement, folks. It's a spiritual statement. It's interesting because John Adams, 250 years before Dutch Sheet, said, Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. We are watching the systematic dismantling of our Constitution. It's happened for years. Why? Because God has been taken out of our lives and our government. Who's going to keep God in them? You and I. You who God has placed to hold the line of truth for the gospel of Jesus and the truth of God's love for all people. That's who's going to make the difference. But hear this, while God loves us, God loves all people. It's that very love that causes God to separate us into sheep and goats. It's that very love that causes some of us to be heaven-bound and some of us hell-bound. God loves us so much that He doesn't want us to live in sin. In fact, He can't tolerate sin. And so what do we do in America? We believe this line of the devil that God loves everybody and there's a million ways to heaven. No, there's not. There's one, Jesus' life. Jesus Himself, He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven. A lot of people are going to learn that lesson too late. So one of the most pioneering things you can do as a Christian is to dial back the spirit of religion that we've been fed that's overtaken America, and we can begin to boldly speak the unchanging truth of God's Word. You want to talk radical? That's radical, folks. A message of salvation in the name of Jesus. A call to personal repentance. That's what John the Baptist preached. Not a call to to point out the sins of others, but to love them so much that you risk being hated by them Proclaiming the name of Jesus and His truth to their life. You know, that may not make you received as affirming. In America today, we're supposed to affirm everything and everyone and all of our beliefs. You may be called someone who's not very affirming. You may be viewed as someone who's not tolerant. But on an eternal scale, with heaven and hell in mind, it could be the most radical thing you ever say to someone. It could be the most love thing you ever say to someone. Is that there's a heaven and a hell and God and I want you in heaven. 
to love them and speak forgiveness and repentance in Jesus' name. But that requires an unpopular backbone that's willing to paddle against the current of this world. Love is not to say that there is no sin. Love is not to say that there is no hell. Love is saying that sin is what God says it is and showing people a way out in Jesus. See, that's the pioneer way. That's the old road paved by John the Baptist and Paul and Jesus and those martyred disciples. Nearly every one of the first 12 of Jesus was killed for their faith. That's true love. Super Bowl had an ad this year if you watched it. It's been around for a little while. The He Gets Us campaign. It's true. Jesus gets us. God sent Him to earth to be one of us. It's a true statement. Jesus gets us. But you know what goes further than that? He gets us, but He gets us so much that He died for us. He gave us life that we could be saved for Him. Saved through Him and delivered from our lives of sin. He gets us that well. Spiritual pioneers know that true love, God's love, is the message the world is dying to hear. The question is, are you willing to share it? If sharing the good news of Jesus is scary and you've decided that the price is too high for you, aren't you grateful that someone risked it to share it with you? Somebody in your life prior to today dared to risk everything, what you thought about them, to share Jesus with you. So what's the price of a human soul in your mind? For Jesus, he decided the price wasn't too high to pay. The price for him was his life. His death was not too high a price for Jesus to pay for you. All he asks us to do is to tell the world what he's already done. Folks, we can do that. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. Thank you that the road of being a disciple of Jesus is not an easy one. If it was easy, everybody would do it. God, it isn't easy. It isn't comfortable. You know that. You knew that from the beginning. But you gave us Jesus who promised he would always be with us to the end of the age. And this age that we're living in is one that seems to have forgotten all about you, has forgotten all about Jesus, but we haven't. God, you say in your word that you always preserve a remnant. It looks more and more in our world like those of us who gather in churches like ours are the remnant. Without us, how will people know? Who will tell them? What will they hear? God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would would be welcomed into our hearts and our lives and our minds. And God, you would begin to change our thinking that sharing the truth of your love through Jesus isn't scary, but it's the single most important thing that we can do for the people that we meet. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. After the service, life groups are going to be in back. They really, it is worth standing in line to talk to the folks that are there because the folks that are there absolutely love their life groups. They love what's happening in. There's more than just one who's present. And uh, they will help you find a life group that is good for you, that fits. And uh, you will be so grateful for it. Second thing is I'll invite ushers to come forward. We're going to receive morning's gifts and tithes and offerings. If we're going to make something different happen, we have to do something different. One of the things that we're going to do that's different is we're trusting God in this building for our young people. Because you know what? Can you imagine where America is going to be when our five-year-olds become a voting age, when they become 30 and 40 and 50 and start running for politics? Can you imagine where our country will be if none of them know Jesus? And so we're taking on that challenge seriously. And we're pouring an awful lot of the resources that we have, both human and financial, 
into introducing our young people and their families to who Jesus really is and how much He loves them. And so when you give to this place, you need to realize you're not just giving to the world out there. You're giving to our communities. You're giving to people right here, helping them to know Jesus and to grow in faith. And so thank you for your giving. Would you please stand and let's continue to worship. Time. There's a few more claps. That's cool. Excuse me. Hey, we are going to invite people forward now who have made the decision to join the Open Door Christian Church family. Uh, Some of them have been through a couple weeks of classes, but, you know, we don't make those mandatory. If you are wanting to join this group of pioneers heading off into the world with the good news of Jesus, uh, come on up. Come on up with us and we'll have you talk to Trevor afterwards. But, yes, boldly lead the way. We may have to get like, do you want to stand on that end so you can hold this? No, you'll need it when we're done to you talk. Got him. Thank you. I love it. Trevor's still directing traffic. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Wow. Look at this. All right. So Deidre has volunteered to help me. Volunteered, right? I asked her to help because for 14 years we have been able to do this two or three or four times a year. We've been able to be here for everyone but one of the Sundays, and she's never been a part of it. And so she willingly volunteered to help me today. So I told you as a group, the only thing you've got to do is answer a few simple questions and introduce yourselves, right? Here's the introduce yourselves part. David Christensen. Linda Christensen. I'm Patrick Kranz, and this is my fiance. Oh, you can clap for that, yes. Sierra Huxtra. Joel Mead. And Lisa Mead. Sarah Minnick. And Aaron Minnick. You can clap right for on. them too, sure. <laughs> Danielle Cornell. Josie Knudsen. Brian Wolf. And I'm Jean Wolf. Nancy Jardy. And I'm Rod Jardy. All right. There's also a few that were not. Yeah, you can clap for them, please, by all means. They, they sat through like two hours, two and a half hours of time in here, so they should give an applause. Uh, two different Monday nights. Uh, we got some folks that aren't able to be here. Aaron Nisley and Christian Lesman, who are also a couple who's going to get married. Tom and Deb Forbrook couldn't be here. And Jerry Linky who watches us online all the time and has been having conversations with Leah and said, I want to join. So we welcome all five of those people as though they were here this morning as well. All right, Deidre, we've got some questions for them, so go ahead. Question number one. Do you believe in God the Father, Jesus, his only Son as your Savior, and the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit? You can say I do or something like that, yeah. Do you agree with and support the call and the purpose of this congregation to preach the full truth of God's Word and with our welcome of God's Holy Spirit in all that we do? Do you agree agree to pray for the pastors, leaders, and ministries of this church and to lift up and support the work of this church here and in the surrounding communities? And do you agree to live as a person of Christian unity and not division, a person of encouragement and not gossip, and a godly example of the Christian life. 
Finally, do you agree to support the work of this church with your regular attendance by volunteering your time and your gifts, by the generous giving of your finances and the loving welcome and encouragement of all those who come here to worship? In these things, the work of God among us may continue and grow in our lives. They might serve as an example and testimony to others of the love of Jesus that is within us. You are going to start the opportunity to get to meet these folks. What we ask people who join and become new members to do is be a part of one of our people ministries, whether they're parkers or whether they're welcome, uh, hospitality, ushers, whatever it is. And so as you meet them, please introduce yourselves and make them home. Uh, make them feel at home. Welcome. Welcome to the family. Uh, welcome home, everybody. Welcome home. Thank you. Late-breaking announcement, but not a late-breaking plan. Uh, a reminder from 1 to 3 is family movie time right here. Cindy, what's the movie? The Peanuts movie? Right here, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Everybody, families, kids, everybody wants, wants to be here. Here's my last thought for you. As you leave today and as you go through this week, who do you know that needs to hear the truth of Jesus in their life? Not that wants to. But who needs to? Who is it that you're afraid maybe isn't going to end up in heaven with you that you could share the truth of Jesus and invite them to make Him their personal Savior and to accept salvation in His name? Who is it that you know that needs Jesus? That conversation, if you're willing to have that pioneer moment and go to where it's not comfortable, could be the single most important conversation that person ever has in their entire life because it could change their eternity. Who is it that you know who needs to hear about how much Jesus loves them? Thanks for coming, everybody. We got one. Do we have one more song before we go? So that's still the same. We got one more song before we go. Talk about, talk to the people in life groups in the back. They would love to visit with you and invite you to join and be a part of them. Have a great week, everybody.